streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? And welcome to... Well, you know what? You know what? Before I even start, let's get this thing started off right. Let's do this. It is a special Victory Monday celebration style of the Monday Rewind here on the OBR uh, I, I cannot wait for this show. The Browns, for the first time since the OBR was an infant, since the OBR was an infant, the Browns get a victory week one, and we are off to a perfect start to the season. The Browns, for the first time since 2004, tied for first place, heading into week two of the regular season. Super Bowl, baby, here we come. With you, as always, here on the OBR, I'm your host, Michael Keep. You can find me online at Garage Beers Mike and my panel tonight. Joining me to talk about one hell of a way to start the season for the Cleveland Browns. First on my screen, uh, it is up there in Wisconsin. You find him online at Andrew Spade. It's Andrew Spade. What's going on, Andrew? Uh, Mike, if we do this 16 more times, we'll be the first team to ever win 17 games in a season. So let's just keep going. I can't. I don't see why that wouldn't happen at this point. After after that week one win, I can't imagine that would not happen. Yeah. Uh, Also joining me tonight... Uh, find him online at Reinhard NFL. It's Anthony Reinhardt. What's going on, Anthony? Hey, Mike. I'm pretty good. How are you? Man, I'm, uh, how am I? How am I, Anthony? How do you think I am? <laughs> I think you're great. You're damn right I'm great. <laughs> I, I hope we're all great. I hope everybody's great. I know another great one, and I see I'm, I'm noticing some improvements in the background. I'm thinking I'm noticing some improvements in the background there as my face goes off the screen. There oh, we go. It's beautiful. Uh, find him online at Cody Sook. It's Cody Sook. What's up, Cody? What's going on, man? So at the request of Andrew specifically, yeah, I had right. to upgrade the Baker Mayfield picture in the background. It's he's been replaced by Nick Chubb, a, a decent football player in his own right. Um, just happened to come That's in fine. on Saturday. It was Friday or Saturday. The print finally came in, so it's perfect timing. Tear that down. I don't know what to do with it. Uh, I put it inside of a tube. It's sitting down. If it goes in my attic, where it's 118 degrees in the summer. And just kind of melts away, or what? What I do with it at this point? But uh, we'll have to, we'll have to make a ceremony or something for, yeah. for, 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 for the for the the getting rid of the Baker. Or but we, also, Mike. Cheers to you, buddy. Cheers to the Browns, my man, my man. Hey, we have this phenomenal ceremony that happens at my house once a week. It's called Garbage Day. So <laughs> you're that's my wife's favorite day of the week. <laughs> yeah. it's garbage Day, right in there. Hey, <laughs> Listen, first of all, before we get into breaking everything down from week one, uh, if you're joining us live, get these comments going for the first time again, since we really, since we've been doing anything live stream, you're able to jump on and talk about a Browns week one victory. So get in the live stream. Let's make this thing active and we will, uh, we'll call you out on that stuff. Like our buddy Ty Sox. Oh, well, first of all, Cade Brigade, I was going to call out Ty Sox who, uh, Elliot Ness Amber Lager from Great Lakes. Crack the beers, everybody. Let us know. Let us know what you're drinking as well. Uh, but, guys, this is going to be – I don't I, I don't even know. I can't wait to get into this. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about a lot of the positives that came from the game. We're going to talk about McSawman having a Great Lakes Oktoberfest. Love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that need to improve because they are there. And we're just going to give you an in-depth look. And, of course, we'll have Anth- numbers with Anthony with our numbers guru over there. So we'll get to that as well. Uh, but guys, first, I mean, listen, 
well, you know what? I, I, we'll let this first clip play, and I'll let uh, I'll let Baker Mayfield tell you what he thinks of the game, and then I'll tell you what I think. Everybody made this out to be the Super Bowl, but despite uh, what everybody's going to make this, there's 16 more games. The Super Bowl is not till February, and this is the beginning of September. So, like I said, um, a lot of anticipation, but we're going to flush this, we're going to learn it, and we're going to be better better from it. I mean, the tone was set with the attitude of some of the guys on the other side. So, you know, we were just ready to go out there and finally put things to bed. What do you mean by some of the things that were said before the game? Had you guys ready to play? It had us a bit off the leash. <laughs> oh, I love that. Listen, guys, I don't know about you. So the Browns win the Baker Bowl. It got real exciting at the end. That wasn't just any game. That was like the game for me. I hate that it happened this early in the season, but I don't know that I'm going to care at all, anywhere near as much for any other game this season as I cared about this game and all the implications and everything that came with it after the Browns decided to move on from Baker. Then we had to listen to his hurt feelings and watch his wife tweet about things online and all that kind of stuff. We had to deal with it all off season long and for the Browns to come out and win that game and prove that he wasn't going to come out and be some different player. Man, just let's go around the horn. I want to know how you guys reacted. How'd you react, with Andrew, when, when the Browns won that game? What was your immediate reaction? Well, I, 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 my immediate reaction was I didn't think he was going to make that kick, so I was overjoyed that he made the kick because the 58-yarder, first game as an NFL player, uh, you know, he had – I mean, Jay Feely was talking right before he hit that kick that he, you know, struggled in warm-ups from that distance – so my expectations were low and it's, you know, it's, it's part of like the game. You're watching the game. You realize like, all right, well, they get the ball back with no timeouts and a minute left. It's going to be hard for them to get into field goal range. Okay. Well, they get into field goal range, but it's really long. So it's going to be hard to expect him to make this. So when he made it, I was overjoyed. And then I think as, as the hours went by after it, it's just relief because people are already online trying to say that Baker Mayfield had a good game and he was garbage. So uh, if they had won, you know, he would have basically been uh, early runaway MVP favorite. So, I, I you know, I, the, the revisionist history that people in Cleveland that are Baker fans and, and then people nationally that think that he got a raw deal, you know, it, it's it's gone so far that now people are not describing what he does on the field accurately. And that's a real problem, uh, you know, for me as somebody that has to, to listen to it. And so I'm just relieved that I don't have to hear nearly as much of that as I, I would have. If they had won, he would have been absolutely lionized. Go ahead, Cody. I'll let you just roll the, with it. The only reason he said those things after the game is because they lost. If they would have won yes. that game, he would have came forward with all of the cockiness and arrogance as expected coming from him. And that clip kind of fires me up because you know that's ex the exact reason. They're up 24-23, eight seconds left, 58-yard field goal. He thinks he's got it in the bag. Cade York just right through the uprights with the little, the little three-wood draw coming down the middle. Uh, it was going to be a completely different co press conference in the post game had he had the Panthers pulled that game out. And I think he we're going to talk need, about the he didn't even need a rollover kick. He didn't even need he a rollover not. kick. No <laughs> rollover shots. He needed none of that. But there is some. I think we might talk to the quarterbacks. So I don't get ahead of myself. But there's definitely some revisionist history, and it falls into the Panthers now. They see that hope they want in a quarterback with a guy they they've been doing the same thing the Browns have been doing, trying to find that guy. And Baker had those moments at broken coverages yesterday or the first read guys open type plays where he generates all these explosive plays. But when everything's not going exactly as it has to, batted passes, 
terrible, inaccurate throws, things like that. But we'll talk about quarterbacks later, but just want to get that off my chest. I got to get this comment in from McSaw, man. I was standing. Dogs were taking cover. They even knew what was coming. <laughs> you're, you're darn right. You're darn right. Absolutely. And listen, Sarist in the comments doesn't like us talking about Baker. We just played him yesterday, Sarist. Mm. We just, this is the story, my man. This is, or, or my lady, or whoever you are. This is the story. You got to talk about Baker today, and then we can be done. After this week, we can be done forever, and that's the best part. Anthony, what about you? Were, were, were any animals taking cover or anything in your house? No, all all zero animals were safe and accounted for. <laughs> um, I, I I think it was it was a, a you know probably a, a good good for the team that they were able to come back and win this one. I think they spent so much of the game in a solid position to win. You know, they had win probability probably over eighty percent. For, for a good portion of the game. So it was kind of like um, for, for the Panthers to come back and, and be, you know, up up by a couple of points late was, uh, you know, that, that would have been a tough one to lose, especially, you know, with it being Baker and all that too. Um, that that would have been a really tough start to the season, I think. And nobody, nobody was going to want to listen to that. But the good news is we don't have to listen to that. And the other bit of good news is this. We got a gift for you. If you're watching us right now, we've got a, we got a gift for you. We have a gift for you because we're going to go into our next segment here. And listen, uh, we'll talk about it and we'll dive in. But why don't we just relive the final moments of, of last night's game? Eight seconds remaining. He lines it up. Bojorquez with his knee on the ground at the 48. Hewlett over the ball. Snap back. He's into it. Line drive. End over end. The kick is up and it is. And it is gone. Can you get the field goal from 58 yards out with eight seconds left to go in the ball game? Guys, it's it's finally us. It's finally us. It's I, All I know is I've been watching Baltimore do that for years. I've been watching Baltimore do that. Line up impossible kicks. And they're all celebrating while we're just walking off the field. We are there. An impossible kick. Can you guys fathom? Put in, put into perspective a little bit. Cody, could you have envisioned, could you have even drawn up a more perfect start for Cade York? They draft the guy, which immediately puts expectations on him, in the fourth round nonetheless, which even puts more uh, expectations on him. He comes out, he's perfect, and he, they line him up for one of the longest field goals in Brown's history. And he just steps through and nails it to win the game. Could it be? Could it have been more perfect? No. And then that script was exactly how you see the Browns lose so many games in the past. You dominated the first <laughs> half of the game, and all of a sudden your defense makes a couple of woeful plays. Your offense isn't moving the ball as well as they should, especially in the passing game. And then you see, I even tweeted, I was like, it's really going to happen, isn't it? This is how this is going to play out. They're going to completely dom- control this game. And at the end, it's going to fall apart because of a couple of plays that just didn't go their way. And they're going to lose at the end of the game. But then you see Katie York, rookie guy, brass, you know what, comes in and just nails a 58-yard kick. And how about Zagura and Donovan there? Oh. Man, I love seeing Zagura in that booth now because he just gets all into it. Donovan always has, always has. best, One of the best in the game to do it. Zagura's there with their all fired up. But Katie York, he continued with what he did in college. He was 15 for 19 at LSG in his career at 50-plus yards. Comes in there, first game. Uh, four for four field goals and what three for three extra points, two for two extra points, wherever it was. Um, phenomenal performance by him yesterday. I will give a shout out to Zagura because I love the grunt that he let out right there. But there is a part of me that wishes 
that Doug Deacon was there to give his patented Doug Deacon. The Browns just did something good laugh in the background. Mm. And we all know what I'm talking about. Calm. Yeah. And then just yeah, laugh. Just laughing. Yeah. Jimmy's just going crazy and Doug's just in the background laughing. A shout out in the comments to Brian, uh, who was at the game. And that kick was incredible. And thanks for bringing the Browns fandom down to Charlotte, Brian. It sounded shout loud. Out to you. It shout sounded out to you, pretty Doug, loud. Brian. Yeah. From, from the Browns fans' perspective on, uh, on certain plays, especially the kick. Anthony, one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, – I, I, early in the game, there was an opportunity for them to, sh to trot him out for a long field goal, and they opted not to do that. And instead, the first few of Cade York's field goal attempts of his career were all very makeable kicks, inside inside 40 yards, basically. And then they trotted him out for that big one. Like, do you think there's something that kind of played in there as far as they didn't put him out there for his first ever NFL kick for like a 54-yarder? They let him get comfortable. They let him get his confidence. And it, it felt like it boosted when it needed to. Uh, was that like, is there a little coaching behind that? Yeah, I, I would have to assume there is. It, it sounded like from his comments post game immediately that, that he, he thought they weren't going to put him out there at, at first for a, a, a really long kick. And, you know, the Browns are a team that is, is pretty aggressive in terms of going forward on, on fourth downs anyway. So I'm not surprised to see um, some, some of the fourth down decisions, uh, what they were early on. Also had some pretty good punts too. So I mean, you have to kind of factor in that that they did have a major upgrade at, at punter this year. It doesn't that doesn't get nearly as much love as 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 the guy who makes four field goals? But um, I thought Bjork has played played very well. Uh, also, um, so so yeah. I mean, I think that that you know, especially him saying you know that that he had a poor warm up. I'm sure the coaches are very much appraised of that. Uh, that he hadn't kicked in what ten days before the game. Um, you know, you, you don't want to rely on him to kick a long one early. And I feel like you don't even necessarily want to rely on him to kick a, a deep one late, but, um, yeah, you, you couldn't have drawn up a better, a better debut for him. So I feel like he, he's got to have a ton of confidence and the team has to have a ton of confidence in him going forward. Andrew, real Can I quick. something real quick, Mike. No, oh. no, I'm just kidding. I'm just I had <laughs> a good run. I had a good run. You know, no, go, we're out go. Of here. Uh, it was something that just Anthony was saying it, um, it says a lot when Kevin Stefanski in his post-game press conference says, we just got to get to the 40. Like that was their goal was to get to the 40 yard line. And and they had enough confidence to kick a 57, 58 yarder. Like that's what they were going for. And it, it's this unbelievable confidence. And a guy in his first game in his career coming out to do that. Andrew, they left you a couple seconds, but what, what does, what does having a guy like that, like how many wins can he head? Can can you add to a team with a kicker that you can trot out there from the 40 and trust that he's going to make a kick? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it, I think to Cody's point, it changes your entire strategy, right? I mean, uh, they definitely were not saying get to the 40 last year. Um, they were probably saying get to the 25, maybe. Get in the end zone. Maybe, yeah, maybe the 30. I mean, they didn't have, they haven't had a kicker that they could trust since Phil Dawson. And so, you know, I, it's early. I don't want to put the weight of the world on this kid because he is still a rookie and he'll probably – you know, I mean, I think the having the rough warm up kind of gives you an idea that this is going to be a process. And there are some NFL stadiums that are really hard to kick in, including the Browns home stadium. So, you know, he's going to miss kicks. I don't want to sit here and pretend like he's going to be perfect. But if you have confidence in him, even when he struggles, um, you know, that's that's how you build that long term relationship that allows him to be one of the true difference makers. Uh, and that's where we all hope to get, um, because we've set we've sat in the same division as Justin Tucker for so many years, wishing that we had that sort of a weapon. And I'm not saying that's where this kid is now, but he definitely has the leg talent to be that sort of a weapon for the Browns. All right, boys, let's switch to our next topic and let's have a, a little bit more of an honest conversation. First, let's hear from 
the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'll know more watching it. Yeah, he battled. And, and yeah, we missed a couple early. I uh, thought we had a couple shots, just weren't on the same page. Again, that's, that's week one. Uh, we will be better. And, and that's really, again, just my message to this team is, you know, really proud of the win. Uh, you got to, in, in a win, look at the things that you got to clean up and get better at. That's just poor English on my part. What I should have said is let's hear about the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Listen, Jacoby Brissett went out there and did not play his finest game. Early in the game, he missed two pretty clean-looking throws that would have resulted in either big gains or touchdowns earlier in the game. And as the game went on, uh, he continued to miss some throws. Uh, He wound up hitting some big ones on that last drive, which was hugely important, but... Uh, uh, Anthony, uh, when you're watching Jacoby Brissett out there, just, uh, kind of what was your impressions of his first game with the Browns? Uh, he didn't do anything that lost the game. I, I think we talked a lot about that last week. Um, and, and you know, in, in, the weeks prior that what, what the Browns are asking Jacoby Brissett to do is to not blow things up. And for the most part, he didn't, I mean, he didn't, didn't make any huge plays, but also, you know, kind of avoided huge mistakes also uh it was it's pretty overwhelming altogether underwhelming altogether but um you know that he he you know he, he got what he needed out of the run game and the defense to uh to kind of get him over the finish line so it was it was fine andrew if if jacoby Brissett plays like that if he just plays like that which again resulted in a win for the cleveland browns if jacoby Brissett plays like that over the next 10 games does it change what your thought process is on how many games the Browns can win? Uh, no, I mean, I think I think in the range of outcomes that I was envisioning for what Jacoby Brissett looked like, this was probably pretty near the middle or maybe a little bit below the middle. So, you know, to, to me, it, it you know, it probably doesn't change much. I, had, I think I had them in my preseason prediction at four and seven through 11 games. Um, you know, I mean, they've got a chance in front of them because the early schedule is so favorable, but... Uh, uh, you know, there's definitely uh, enough inconsistency in his game that you you can see, uh, even if he doesn't make the sort of backbreaking mistake. To Anthony's point, I, I you know they're just they're leaving points on the field, and so um, you know I I do think if he doesn't improve from from this, I think four to five wins is probably the 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 ceiling, honestly. Uh, but I will say that I believe Kevin Stefanski. I mean, I, I'm seeing a lot in the comments people saying he didn't play that much in the preseason, which I think is totally valid. Uh, you know, not a lot of time uh, in live game action with, you know, receivers that are all new to him. So um, I am open to the idea that he can improve over the course of the 11 weeks. And and I, I think the one thing that you have to say is that Stefanski keeps giving these guys wide open opportunities. And as long as that happens, NFL quarterbacks more often than not hit wide open opportunities. So if he can do that, then I think they'll be all right. Cody, what, when you were watching Jacoby Brissett play, what were the areas that you felt were the were the areas that you're most, most comfortable that he can improve upon? That maybe he didn't play well in Carolina, but you're like, yeah, but that's an area he can improve on and, and should look better moving forward. Yeah, I think it's kind of what Andrew just said, is, is just hit, finding the open guy and hitting the open guy. There were a couple of those home run shots. I think one was Kareem Hunt and one was Njoku. Wide open. I mean, just wide open for, for big gains. I don't expect Jacoby to come in here every week and push the ball down the field and generate all these explosive plays. But when somebody's that open, you got to hit them. Yep. You, you just have to. But then it is the fancy said it as well as in the conference as well to keep coming back to that, um, that he made a couple big boy throws. 
to tight yeah. windows yesterday to DPJ, who, who Anthony's favorite football player in the NFL. But he made a couple, <laughs> a couple, couple of nice throws to DPJ yesterday, and some other guys that were. I mean, he rips that thing. No matter where it is, if he's thrown it at 23 yards, if he's thrown it at six yards, he rips it, which is not always a good thing. But I think, really, for me, it's just play within the scheme that Stefanski gives you. There's going to be somebody open on a far majority of plays, as we saw yesterday and as we've seen for a few seasons now. And that's what I want to see from him. And if we look at where he ranked yesterday, I would agree that he's probably probably finished a little lower than expectation yesterday overall. He was 23rd in success rate, 28th in PFF grade, and 18th in EPA per dropback. So average to below average across the board in many metrics, how we would expect him to be. But just, just be average, man. And I'd like to see from a play calling and a Brissett thing, look in the flat and get that screen game going a little bit. We only saw one yesterday. It was Kareem Hunt. I think they attempted a couple others. No idea what the clock is, by the way. Five minutes, we might be way over. But no, um, we're good. I got with, you. With, with, um, I'm on it. But if um, get the screen game going, we saw one with Hunt that was very successful. Uh, a couple others, I think, failed. The protection broke down a little bit, or the Panthers were able to read it beforehand that the screen was coming or why the play was developing. I get those going. Get those easy shots. Be efficient. Take care of the ball, just like Anthony said, and they'll be fine. But expect. Just a little bit more from him. Not a lot more, just a little bit more. Well, I think I think it certainly says something, boys, that you know, I don't think I don't think that he had a great game and and the Browns won. And and uh I think they were carried by the right guys. And I think there's gonna be games where Jacoby looks like this again. I think there's also gonna be games where Jacoby does look, I think at times significantly better as he gets comfortable. He did admit. It was maybe the most the most powerful moment of the whole situation uh, this weekend. He got emotional. He said he was emotional. He has another chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. And he was he said he played out of his emotions and out of control a little bit that way. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of cleans up moving uh, into the Jets game uh, next week. Now, so I said this before, and I totally lied to everybody, but we want to talk a little bit about the rest of the offense. But uh, let's now hear from the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. I mean, after we, after we got the penalty, I was like, yeah, we, I mean, one more big chunk that which we were going for um, give us, gives us a chance. And, um, you know, Donovan did a great job. Um, and, and I mean, obviously other plays and then just leading up to it. And, I mean, we trusted Kate. Um, we've seen him do it in practice a bunch and, and uh, came through for us. Uh, battle. That's what they are. They're, they're battle, battling like the rest of those guys. So I thought 11 early made some contested catches that were huge. Uh, for us in that game, uh, and then we we trust Anthony. We got a lot of faith in him. Let's let's start right there, uh, Andrew. Let's let's start right there with number eleven. Uh, you're going to hear, and I apologize for this. You're going to hear Kevin Stefanski over the rest of the show say the word battle as much as you heard uh, the reporters for the uh, for the game yesterday talk about the calmness of Baker. Nothing we can do about that. But let's Andrew. Let's talk about Donovan Peoples Jones because. The big one of the big questions coming in. We were all worried about the receiving room. Donovan Peoples Jones went out and made some big time plays for this team. Yeah, yeah. I just first I want to say that it must be nice for Anthony to hear that the coach trusts him. That's that's big. You know, that's really big. Um, uh, the you know I I think that Donovan Peoples Jones is 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 kind of um, in more ways than one the X receiver, the X factor receiver for the for the team, right? Like. Um, if he can do that week to week, you know Cooper is going to put his up, you know, and um, and and Najoku should be an option. Obviously, they've got the two running backs. 
The question is, is there another wide receiver that can come through if, if Cooper's being shut down, which is what it looked like happened at times yesterday. And, uh, uh, you know, Donovan was able to do that. And, um, you know, he made a few catches that I think based on what people expect from him, you wouldn't have expected him to make. And uh, they were great throws, too. So he really, you know, he he made plays that he needed to make to prove that he can be like a trustworthy guy. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting how this works. Sometimes guys develop chemistry, um, you know, that uh, you you know, that it, it doesn't always necessarily map, you know, to the to the number one guy when when new relationships are being formed like this. And so it might be over the early course of the season that, that Brissett and Donovan Peoples Jones are the, that's the sort of his go-to guy when things get tough. And and that would be great. That would be such a huge development for this team. As I muted myself, uh, Cody, a lot of people talking about Anthony Schwartz. We talked a lot about Anthony Schwartz, especially after a horrendous preseason, a horrendous really camp. I mean, uh, all in all indications was he wasn't even good in practice. Uh, and Anthony Schwartz came out and made some plays. Uh, and frankly, he did one thing that I was nervous that he couldn't do on one of those end arounds. He made somebody miss a tackle. Uh, Schwartz, he did have a drop. Now you can say it was a defender drop, but it's a catch that I think he should have made. Uh, but I don't know. He came up pretty big for the team yesterday in a couple plays. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Yeah, for sure. And I agree, you should have caught that ball. It was a tough catch, but if you're an NFL receiver, you should make that catch. It hit hit your hands. I think it bounced, maybe bounced off the shoulder pads at one point, too. But um, those are the type of things I expect from the offense with Schwartz or those manufactured touches. Because I don't know if if he necessarily understands the route tree enough to find the open space at this point that's just conjecture mm-hmm. on my part that may not be factual at all that's what it <laughs> but that's what it seems like is he may not have that expertise yet in finding the open spot and, and fully developed route tree uh, but when you give him the end arounds and he can use his speed to get even if it's just six yards or if he gets a first down or whatever it is dude, whatever it may be uh he did play well yesterday but i definitely want to keep those targets down he only had two yesterday uh, until he even gets a little more comfortable because i think we had we talked about it yesterday in slack and he only caught the ball i think he was a little bit surprised he caught the ball and he didn't know what to do after he caught the ball but um he's 21 years old you know he's yes. a young dude uh we'll see where he goes from here but uh nice to see him make a couple plays yesterday for sure i think we might jump into that next time next week on the monday rewind we've got you know we've got our numbers section with with uh anthony maybe we'll just do rec- reckless speculation with cody oh um, yeah here <laughs> i am here for that completely uh anthony uh the tight ends i found to be interesting because they weren't super involved in the passing game uh i think from a run game perspective the tight ends played pretty well but you didn't see the ball going to Njoku a whole lot you didn't see the ball go to harrison bryant a whole heck of a lot uh, were you were you interested to see that? Because uh, I think a lot of us thought that those guys were going to be kind of security blankets for Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I, I was especially disappointed to not see any targets going to my favorite tight end three, Michael Dunn, 
who ran two routes, <laughs> yes. just as many as Jesse James. If he can play two positions, and he can he can probably play tackle, guard, center, tight end. He Running can play back, for sure. positions. I heard he has a anyway, cannon. Get, getting getting back to your your point though, for them to have offered Njoku that huge contract, and he he led the skill position players in snaps, so he's obviously on the field a ton. Um, I kind of wonder if it makes sense to pull him off the field for some of these like more run heavy downs where like uh, Harrison Bryant only got one snap or nine snaps in uh, single tight end personnel, but otherwise it was, it was in Joku the entire time. I think he only had one or two targets in Joku did. Um, so that's, that's, you know, not, not what you want to see from the guy who's probably supposed to be your second best pass catcher based on, on the investments that you've made in those players. So um Certainly hope to see more of him in week two. Um, they're going to really regret that contract if we get, you know, 10 or more weeks that are similar to this one. So um, definitely something to clean up there. Yeah, very interesting. I know everybody's talking about that one play where Njoku was running running free and 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 Brissette missed him, but it, it, it'll be interesting. I'll be definitely watching Njoku a little more to see if he was open more than maybe what I saw, uh, just, just watching without really focusing on it or if they're just you know maybe he's not getting open as we think he can uh let's move on to another area uh, and let's catch coaches comments again on uh everybody's favorite area of this offense the running backs as i mean compete like crazy uh you know i'm so uh we're lucky to have two guys we, we got one a and one b and they, they just battle and then they fight for each other and uh they they you know, they, they can do it all, uh, and sometimes they're out there together, sometimes they're not, but uh, I just thought they fought like crazy. I would say every time he says battle, take a drink, but I don't want to encourage that kind of stuff in the comments. Yeah, that was a missed except opportunity not to do that. Off except, the top. For, except for Cody, if you could go ahead and do that every time he says battle, that'd be great. Uh, guys, these running backs, man, they're, they're spectacular. They're spectacular. Nick Chubb is the best running back in the NFL at – picking up 12 yards when it looks like he's getting tackled for a loss of one. And then Kareem Hunt is such a perfect, just change of pace guy that can do everything. I mean, Cody, it, it's a goldmine here. And and we spent so much time this offseason talking about Dearness Johnson, who didn't even, who wasn't even active. And, and Demetric Felton, what's he doing? And they drafted Jerome Ford. But in reality, when Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are healthy, you don't really have to talk about the rest of the guys, do you? No, and it's something we speculated last week was how much, if at all, they were going to be on the field together. And we saw it from the get-go yesterday. We saw Chubb and Hunt in the backfield together. We saw Hunt split out. We saw – I can't remember if Chubb was split out at one point. I'm assuming he may have been. But having them on the field at the same time, you're putting your two of your best football players, two of your best playmakers on the field at the same time. That can only be beneficial. Even if you're not running the ball, they could both catch the ball. And Chubb, especially yesterday, was incredible. He forced 11 missed tackles which uh, were Jonathan Taylor forced 10, only three other running backs forced more than five. So he had an incredible <laughs> performance yesterday, uh, 2.34 rushing yards ever expected per attempt. Just another incredible outing. I can't tell you how many times you something you just said that you, you'll see him just run up to the line and it's like, oh, it's shut down. He's getting nothing. All of a sudden he's 11 yards downfield all of a sudden. It's unbelievable. It speaks to him. It speaks to the offensive line, continuing with their blocks and getting downfield. They need to get to the downfield into the second level. Uh, so great effort by him, great effort by Hunt. And even if, God forbid, something happens to one of those first two guys, you have Darnus Johnson and Ford back there. 
that can step in. Yeah, you're you're down you're down maybe a little bit, but these are two guys that can still perform at a pretty high level. Anthony, after an offseason that involved questions about are we going to keep Kareem Hunt? Is he trade bait? Uh, he asked for a trade. Uh, a little bit of just kind of questions as far as what's going to happen for him to come out and score two touchdowns week one and just look really good overall. Uh, does that maybe put some of that stuff to rest? Um, I, I think it does, but also I think it probably raises his trade value, frankly. And I, I think the Browns are still, they're still positioned to get rid of one of the two running backs that are Ernest Johnson and Kareem Hunt. looks like it's probably more likely to be to Ernest Johnson, but um, you know, I, I, I think that Kareem Hunt showed some of his some of his versatility that that I sometimes don't appreciate as much as I should. Um, where you know he he ran a few routes yesterday, um, played some fullback, which I thought was was really encouraging. So I felt like they missed a lot of dimensionality by not keeping a fullback this year, but um, certainly made that up by keeping Hunt back there. And, and he looked like he had a great game. I you know I I don't think the Browns are going to end up paying him, but I for his sake I kind of hope that he gets you know, traded at, at some point or is able to get a big contract at the end of this year um, to, to kind of earn that in. So I, I think he deserves it. Andrew, talk about some of the guys that made those that running game possible. I saw Amari Cooper blocking his butt off in that yeah. game. All game long. All game mm-hmm. long, I saw Amari Cooper on the outside blocking his butt off. Uh, James Hudson was phenomenal in the run mm-hmm. game yesterday. He was great. Uh, these guys got out uh, – was it Posich that was out in front of Chubb on that long yeah. run, but he couldn't keep up? Mm-hmm. Slow, big slow dude out there. Uh, but man, the blocking was good. The tight ends were good. The wide receivers were involved. I mean, that it was a thing of beauty from a full run game perspective. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think you know, I, I think we take the the offensive line and and the level at which it's playing week in and week out. At, at we take it for granted, you know, um, because you know anybody can now go online and find. You know, you can hold your phone up to the TV and, and take a video of somebody missing a block. And I saw that I saw a, a clip of Jed Wills going around today that's supposed to be, oh, he's no good. And, you know, it's like it looks like they were setting up a screen pass. And so, I, you know, I, I think Cleveland fans honestly are spoiled a little bit when it comes to this. Like there, there are not offensive lines in the NFL that execute this highly um, on a week to week basis, this consistently over the years. And we're starting to get spoiled by it. I mean, we were spoiled by it years ago when it was Alex Mack and Joe Thomas. And I think we're back to that sort of mindset. Um, what they're doing is special. And the way that they make it, Nick Chubb is a great running back, but they make it easy for him to do all of the things that he does because he gets one-on-one opportunities in space. And not a lot of running backs in the NFL get one-on-one with guys. Oftentimes it's three tacklers and, and they're just trying to get two or three yards. So the offensive line deserves a ton of credit. I think you're absolutely right to call it James Hudson. I think he was much better in his first game this year than he was last year. Um, the guards were both spectacular. I thought Wills had a good game. And I think, you know, Postich is the backup center, but I think he held his own. And so, you know, if if you look at that unit overall, for this to be their first effort and they don't have their starting right tackle yet and they're with a backup center, I, you know, nothing but the highest marks for them. And and as you rightly mentioned, also the tight ends and the wide receivers. It was a team effort. And and their their running game is is at an absolutely elite level from the jump, which is just what a luxury. 140 plus yards for Nick Chubb on the ground, two touchdowns, one on the ground, one through the air for Kareem Hunt. It was it was an awesome, awesome performance. All right, now we're going to turn it over. 
It's time for our numbers guru. I, what did I call you before? Like the graph something? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember either. But you, I'll, I'll come up with a better nickname for uh, future reference. But Anthony d- dug into the numbers a little bit on this one, and so let's uh, let's send it over to you, Anthony, for our numbers with Anthony Reinhardt section. Anthony, we got a lot of faith in. That's what we like to see. We trust Anthony. We got a lot of faith in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do Coach Proud. Um, I, <laughs> He's I, here for you, Kevin. We know Kevin's watching. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a growth moment and talk about how much I appreciate uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, Eleven targets, career high for him. I think that's the that's the first takeaway key number for him. Uh, something that he really struggled with last year was getting targets. I think that's a sign of a good receiver that can get a lot of targets. One of the big problems, though, for Peoples-Jones uh, is that he doesn't get a lot of separation a lot of times on, on targets. Uh, last year, he he was uh, PFF charted him as having an uncontested target on 8.5% of his routes. That was 84th out of 90 receivers. I think that when I, and when I look at that, I see that the guys at the top are probably some of the best receivers in the game. We're talking Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, those type of guys. Um, and not not that Peoples Jones has to be one of those guys, but he's got to be at least half of that kind of guy um, for you to, to justify keeping him on the field as your your second wide receiver. Um, PFF only charted him as having uh, three contested targets yesterday, so he had eight uncontested. He had like thirty six all of last year, and he played a ton. So um, already making up some good ground on that. But as I looked into it more, kind of a mixed bag of results. Uh, the NFL's next-gen stats tracking system, which tracks every player every few, every tenth of a second, I think, uh, on the field at every point, uh, said that on his 11 targets, the closest defender was an average of 1.3 yards away. The average target, the, the distance from a defender is like three yards. So um, on average, defenders were, were posted right up on Donovan Peoples-Jones when he was getting targeted. I think on one hand, it's really good to be getting targeted even when you're covered. And it's, that's something that he's been really great at is coming down with these contested catches. Um, we saw obviously some of that yesterday where he came down with three of the three that PFF uh, charted as being contested. But, um, you know, it, it, it sounds to me like, like at least they have some confidence in him and maybe that's a product of not having a lot of other uh, – solid receivers in that group where it feels like you got to throw it to somebody that you like. If they like Donovan Peoples-Jones a lot, keep throwing it to him, even if he's covered. Um, so, so I think it's, it's a little bit, of, a little bit of good, uh, a little bit of bad, but he's at least, I think moving in the right direction where he's still progressing. And as a third year player, you still want to keep seeing that. And, and just to clarify on my, my being a Donovan Peoples-Jones hater, I, I want to say, I think that he is he's very good for what the Browns have invested in him, which was like a sixth round pick two years ago. Very solid outcome for him that he's like an every down player for them. Yeah. Um, but I think when when people try to paint him as like a wide receiver too, I don't I don't know if he's quite there yet. I think he he would be a solid third option as a receiver on on a lot of teams. But um, if he's your second best guy, it's it's probably because your other four guys are bad. So. Um, I, I so, think he had a, had a good game. I, I think I'm optimistic going forward on him. So I want to I want to send that to the other guys. Like Cody, when you hear when you hear some of that stuff, when you hear it's what we've talked about with Donovan Peoples Jones. The thing that the thing that makes you question his ability isn't his ability to catch the ball per se. It's not his ability to make a contested catch. It's it's his ability to 
separate. It's his ability to run really good, clean, crisp routes, right? That's the stuff that we've talked about with Donovan Peoples-Jones. So when you hear the numbers from week one on DPJ from Anthony, they're just kind of what, what goes through your head. Yeah, I, I mean, I know when you give Anthony crap about his dislike for DPJ. It's not even dislike. It's not dislike. It, but he, he, it's, it's an objective. It's a, just, yeah, yeah, it's Complete and total hatred. Yeah, yeah right, right. But no, no, it, it's Ooh. a very objective point of view when it comes to the players. That he's yeah. a six-round pick. Really shouldn't be your second wide receiver. He's going to be your starting next right now because you don't have anybody else who can step into that role. So it's 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 a byproduct of what you have on the field currently. It's not because of his talent that he's serving as the number two receiver. Um, but but I mean, I don't want to necessarily see him get eleven targets again. I'd rather see Cooper if he's not being uh, double coverage or if a safety's not rolling to his side, getting more share of those targets. Same with David and Joku, but. It does speak that he he does make some catches every game, and there it seems like it's the same exact catch every time. It's a low ball to the ground that he's helped. He's, I mean, it happens to grab. I feel like it's the same catch over and over again. But yeah, he, he's not efficient. He's not explosive. He doesn't get separation. But if he catches the ball when it's thrown to him, uh, when it's a catchable target, that's all you can ask of the guy. Uh, but definitely divvy up those targets a little bit more as they're able to down the road. But I mean, shoot. If he's the guy that's going to be open, get him the ball and, and hope he does the best with what he can do. And we're muted again. Uh, Anthony, did you come with any other uh, special numbers for numbers with Anthony? Oh, I, I, have, I have a fun one. Uh, it is uh, in between uh, 3.53 p.m. Eastern time and 4.45 p.m. Eastern time. These are my favorite. 10 game-winning or game-tying kicks that came – Wow. Uh, with under two minutes to go, with less than two minutes to go in regulation. So kick Browns attempts. Kick attempts. Kick Browns attempts. obviously made one of them. Uh, five makes and five misses out of those 10. That was Ooh. the most I could find in a one-hour period in the last 20 years. I thought that was a fun one. Uh, I wonder but, how many of those were Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I feel like every time nine, I remember that. Nine, just, there were four. Nine of them. four there was only, it was only in four games, but they all had at right. least one. The Browns game had two because the, the Panthers one was – you know, would have been a would have been a game winning field goal for Browns mm-hmm. was there. So, um, yeah, it was. It was a wild, Andrew. That was a, that was a wild day of football. I mean, we obviously we had our game, the 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 Baker Bowl, uh, but uh, that the Texans and the we almost had two ties. We yeah. almost had two ties. Mm-hmm. You got the wild at the same uh, score. Yeah, you had the wild Cincinnati uh, Pittsburgh. There was a lot of crazy action yesterday in the NFL. Yeah, the, that's why the NFL is undefeated, man, because it can produce uh, concentrated insanity like that and no other sport comes close because, you know, uh, playoff baseball is edge of your seat, but it's one game at a time for the most part. You're not playing six playoff games at the same time. I mean, I think, you know, the, the final day of the Premier League can be pretty frantic, but usually a lot of stuff is already settled at that point. Uh, the NFL season is so short and every game is so important that you can create basically an hour where teams are dying to win. And, and I think, you know, the other thing that you have to say is just the margins are so thin. You know, um, the, these teams, even when it feels like yeah. the teams don't belong on the same field as each other, Indianapolis and Houston tying the Steelers with Mitch Trubisky going into Cincinnati and beating the Bengals. Losing but it happens, two of their best players. Exactly. And it happens every week, you know, and to, to the point where it, it becomes almost a cliche but you can you can set your watch by it. The only thing yeah. other than that that you can predict with 100% accuracy is that if there's an NFC East team 
on Sunday Night Football, it's going to be a boring game. Those are the two things that we that's know it. for sure. <laughs> that's it. I think they're on Sunday Night Football every every week too. Correct. Sunday or Monday night, there's there's yeah. the cow, it's the cow, I think it's always the Cowboys. They're always just playing somewhere. Yeah. Well, and the now, reason that they're going to be starting they're not Super Rush. They're yeah. not even. They're not East. So that right. sucks. Anyways, you deserve <laughs> yeah. to lose. Uh, I will give a shout out. I think the best moment. Uh, outside of Cleveland, the Bears beating the 49ers and and yeah. uh, make the dog uh, corrected here, Niners. Uh, but that moment when Justin Fields and the Bears went and slid into the puddles on the field oh, yeah. at Soldier Field, that's one of the most fun things I have ever watched. Uh, that was just awesome. pure joy, man. That. It's one of the best Justin pictures Fields. I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, all right. So th- that was numbers time with Anthony. Anthony, thanks for bringing some of the numbers. Uh, we'll do that all throughout the season uh, as. Uh, you find some things that I never would find. And so I appreciate you for that. Uh, let's get into, let's send it back to the coach for a minute. Cause now I want to talk a minute about the way this Browns defense played. So let's get coach's thoughts on that first. Your defense line was really able to kind of collapse the pocket and everything. Cases the game went on, maybe just a little bit of that fatigue, the heat and everything. Yeah, it's, it works both ways. Uh, you know, those guys, again, I, I think you'll know more after you watch the tape, but there was uh, there were moments we really, Rushed well. I'm sure there's moments we went back. You know, wish we could get the ball uh, on, on the fumble there uh, in there when they were backed up, um, but uh, they, they fought like crazy. Battled. They battled. Take a drink. Uh, One second. I'll just go ahead and finish. Whoa! <laughs> All right. All right. Tough guy. We, we got a battler here. <laughs> He's a battle. He's just over here battling his beer. Battle the uh, bastards. Oh, what an episode. Uh, Guys, defensively, man, first of all, the first half of the game, it it went exactly the opposite of the way I thought it was going to go. I thought, and I said it in the pregame, I thought Baker was going to come out and look pretty good because he can do that. And it's usually those scripted plays where he can look pretty good early in a game. And then I thought they'd figure him out. In fact, they were on him from the start, man. The Browns were on Baker Mayfield's rear end from the start. Talk a little bit, Andrew, talk about the pass rush and not just their ability to get to Baker and sack him, but... Clowney just batting passes left and right. You had Perry on Winfrey in there batting passes. I mean, that defensive line was active as all get out, especially early in the game. Yeah, I mean, they they obviously, that was a coaching point, which, I mean, big surprise because they watched it for the past four years uh, every week that, you know, he he gets passes batted down as much as anybody in the league. So, you know, it's not not a surprise, but, but kudos to them for pulling it off because, you know, five, what was it? I think it was five total batted passes is, is exceptional for a single game. Uh, you know, and then four sacks is a, is a great number to get to as a team, obviously two for miles. And, um, I, I, I still don't know watching that replay, how he didn't end up with that ball. It rolled right to him. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable that he didn't end up with that. Uh, so it, it, you know, it's, it's actually a little bit of that same fumble luck that they had last year, where it seems like the ball is on the ground. You're the defender. You've just, you know, you're, it's right there. Just, you know, so, uh, that, that we, we, I would love to see that swing back the other way a little bit, but, um, but no, I think the defensive line was incredibly impressive. Jordan Elliott, uh, from PFF's perspective, graded out as a as as a really uh, as a productive player. Uh, he was second in or third in pass rush win rate for defensive tackles behind uh, Aaron Donald and and one other fella. So you know, like a very productive um, game for the entire defensive line, and obviously led by Miles Garrett. Did you see that stat that the uh, the last time Aaron Donald wasn't number one on that list was like 2017? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's okay. a real player. He's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Anthony, talk about, you know, the, the defensive line and the pressure uh, and, and all that was great. Uh, talk about another, are there any other players, any other guys out there that really impressed you as you watched the game that maybe weren't on the defensive line? 
I think Martin Emerson, uh, you know, I don't, I think going into this game, I, I, you know, Greedy Williams obviously had an injury that that occurred or flared up really bad during the week. Um, so I think coming into the week, like if you would ask me on Wednesday, I would have thought he'll maybe play 10 snaps on, on, on defense and, and probably a lot of special teams. But uh, he was a major player, um, came in on, on a ton of snaps on nickel. I want to say he played 40, 30, high 30s in snaps, either like maybe 45. So um, he was on the field all the time. I think that was great to see him out there. Didn't For rookies, I feel like if they're out there and they're not self-destructing, it's pretty good. So um you know, I feel like that's how Newsom was the first few weeks. And I yeah. think with defensive backs, it's always hard to tell because it's like if you can't see him on the screen, they're probably doing fine. And, and that's kind of how I felt like he did. So, Cody, let's talk about the obvious thing we have to talk about with the defense is uh, something from early last year reared its ugly head again in this game. Big reason why the, the Panthers were able to put two touchdowns on the board, uh, two big time blown coverages, one to a tight end that led to a 50 yard gain that uh, the Panthers would then go down and, and, and score on a McCaffrey run. And then the long touchdown pass late in the game uh, to Robbie Anderson. We saw it. It reminded you of the Chargers game last year where the Browns had the lead and they just couldn't stop Mike Williams from running past the defense. Uh, you heard Kevin Stefanski talk about it in his post game a little bit, but your your thoughts on that and and how easy is that for them to remedy? Yeah, first, first I'll say if you guys didn't read Jake's uh, X and O article this morning about this exact topic, I, I highly recommend you do that. Uh, he's obviously extremely talented at what he does, but he breaks it down into a way that – non-film uh, guys can really understand what's happening on the field and what goes wrong. Uh, but, but when I think about it, the thing is that it's just – it's blown coverages. It's a miscommunication. And the miscommunications, they shouldn't happen. It's week one, okay? But this is Joe Woods. And this secondary, they know each other except for Emerson. I know Delpa didn't play the full season last year. Emerson's filling in for Greedy. But still, you can't have those where one guy thinks you're playing cover four, one guy thinks you're playing cover three. So you're going misdirections and, and things like that. And then you have also – uh, the play where, where Denzel Ward's running off the field, and then he has to run back on the field because they had 10 guys instead of 11, so there was a, a little bit of a personnel miscue. Again, week one, things happen, but things like that shouldn't happen when you have such a consistency on the sec- on the back end of this defense uh, year over year. And that really comes to Joe Woods. I think he called a heck of a game yesterday. It's just consistently, and we talked about this earlier, you can't be dominant for a half or three quarters of a game, and then fall apart and give and give all of a sudden give up twenty three points. You got to keep that going the whole game if you want to be an elite defense. Which I which I think with the talent this defense has, they could very easily be headed that direction. It just comes down to take care of those miscues, those blunt coverages, the miscommunications, and you're going to be perfectly fine. We saw that first half; it was incredible how well that defense was playing against Baker. They knew exactly what he was going to do or exactly how to defend him, I should say, and pressured him on 42% of his drop back. So there was a game plan in place just a couple of times that fell apart. Um, I do have confidence it'll get fixed at some point. I do love this comment from Scooter Damas. Uh, the Panthers offense without the two coverage mistakes, which accounted for 125 yards, averaged 2.72 yards per play. Uh, so outside of those two plays, the bronze defense was pretty damn Good. Guys, let's talk a little bit about going into this week of practice before they head into the Jets game, and then we'll look at the Jets for a couple minutes before we get out of here. Uh, but, you know, uh, going into practice, uh, Anthony, what's the area What's the area this week that if you're the coaching staff, you're looking and you're saying, man, if we just, if we just hone in really on this one area and we can really work on this, uh, everything looks significantly better for us. 
I mean, I think it's got to be Jacoby Brissett just finding open receivers and taking those easy throws. Uh, I mean, other than that, I felt like he did a, a perfectly suitable job of, of getting a win in, in any NFL game. Um, but but I think he's just got to take those first downs when he can get them. Um, don't, don't try to win the game, which I think he did an okay job of in week one. But, um, you know, I, I think just making sure he converts on some of those easy throws, getting Njoku involved and doing what he can to get Cooper involved as well. I think those are kind of the back, the, the big X factors that are, that are going to help the Browns win some games. Yes. I'll ask the same question around to all of you, just the areas that you really, you really feel like, Hey, we watched this Panthers game and man, if they could just fix this one thing, uh, they could really be rolling. Andrew. Well, I, I mean, I think, I, I mean, Anthony's answer answer is great, but I'll, I'll say for, for variety that the, you know, it's the defensive breakdowns that we were just talking about. Um, you know, I, my point on that would just be that, um, you know, Joe Woods' defense philosophically is built to limit big plays. Uh, he doesn't blitz a lot. He doesn't take a lot of chances. He doesn't tend to leave people uncovered in an effort to put extra pressure on the quarterback because they have such a great front four that they don't need to take those sorts of risks. And so then when it happens, it's it's really a problem. And I uh, understand the, the thinking of like, well, other than these two plays, they played really well. But that's kind of the whole point, right, is that the defense is built – to keep things in front of them. And so when they don't do that, it's bad. And, and it, it, you know, it's sort of axiomatic. And um, I think if they can get that cleaned up, they can have a top 10, top five defense. That's the way they were trending at the end of the year last year to see it come back like this. It, you stop. I mean, it, it is obviously about players doing the right thing in the moment, but for it to be the same sort of problems for the second year, now I'm looking more at the coaches. And so, it does become, to me, an open question of whether they actually can fix it. Cody, anything anything to add on that? Yeah, I want to point out that Andrew used a five-syllable word, which is – that's a lot for a Monday evening. You know, it's a lot to handle. But I, uh, I thought it was two words, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's just making words up at this point is, what, is what's happening. I blacked out. What did I even say? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's all those leather-bound books he has in his office that's really coming, really coming ahead now. Coming to yeah, fruition. You gotta read. You gotta read. You, know, you, you just look at it, you flip the pages, it just absorbs. He's one of those kind of guys. Correct. But, but you know, you know, I, I think you guys both hit the two major points: is the miscommunications in the backfield, and, and then Jacoby hitting the open guy. And if if you do that, I mean, we're not talking about a simple one-day fix. These things take time across the board. But if you do that yesterday. We talked about this in Slack. If he hits the open guy, that game's over by halftime. I mean, theoretically over by halftime. The Browns would be up by three scores easily uh, doing the cover four in the second half for the most part. Uh, but other than that, I, I'd like to see – I mentioned earlier, earlier in the broad, in our broadcast this evening was getting the stream game going. I really want to see Njoku tied into screens – screens? Some um, – Screens, yeah. Get, get, Scree, just get the Nev Campbells. Get the Nev Campbells going. No, but but, but uh, some screens to Joku and, and and Hunt and Chubb and maybe even a little little quick hitters to Amari Cooper as well. Just get those easy targets for Jacoby. That's confidence building. Those generate positive plays for the offense. You want to always be moving the chains. That's an easy way to do it typically uh, for for the Browns. And those would be the growth points, other than what Anthony and Andrew um, so eloquently outlined. All right, guys, so let's look forward. Let's spend the last couple of minutes here looking forward. The Browns, 1-0. 1-0 Browns for the first time since Vietnam. The 1-0 Browns are going into week two playing 
a New York Jets team that looked really bad against the Baltimore Ravens uh, in a game where Baltimore didn't really look all that good. Uh, but the New York Jets look bad. They got Joe Flacco out there and nobody makes any place for them. So let's talk a little bit about this game coming up against the Jets. And and I mean, you now feel with with knowing you, you gave yourself hope week one. You went up against a team that had a little hope in Carolina and you th- and you got the win. You gave yourself a little hope that, hey, maybe we can get some wins while Deshaun Watson's out and put ourselves in playoff positioning for when he gets back. You got to beat the Jets, right? Like, Andrew, they, you got to go in and beat the Jets. Yeah, I think they should win. The, I, my recommendation to them would be that they win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're six and a half point favorites uh, in, in Vegas, uh, you know, which indicates a, a fairly easy win as far as these things go. Um, you know, the, the Ravens were, were, I think, seven point favorites in New York uh, for this, this past weekend's game against them. So, um, you know, I, I think that they definitely have a great chance. Uh, I can't, you know, I think the Jets defense is fairly well thought of. Uh, I know that Robert Sala, you know, has, has been well thought of as a defensive mind. Uh, but you know, I, I didn't see much on Sunday. I didn't watch that game very closely, to be perfectly honest. But I didn't see much that the that would give the Browns too much trouble. So you, you have to expect that they're they're solid favorites for a reason. And so you know, it really comes down to the sort of execution that we saw for most of the game. But you know, it, it didn't finish. I mean, I think I would also say them being one and zero coming home for a home opener, uh, the, the energy should be really high in Cleveland. And so I, I would hope that the stadium is rocking. That helps, uh, you know, when, when, uh, teams have to come there, especially teams with, uh, backup tackles, I think at, at, I, what is it? George Fant starting at left tackle and somebody I've never heard of starting at right tackle. So, uh, it should be another opportunity for miles Garrett to, you know, maybe breaks Clay Matthews sack record on, on Sunday and Clowney gets to the backfield. You know, that that is a recipe for them, and it should be until they play a team with a decent offensive line. So go do it again. Uh, Anthony, same thing. What are you looking forward to in this game against the Jets? Do you think the Jets pose any sort of – is there a threat the Jets pose that you're concerned about, offensively or defensively? I mean, you have to be concerned about any NFL team technically. I mean, that's okay. what you you're have to say. Office, right? here, it, they, you're they not running for office, Anthony. You're not running for the Browns have a 70%, as Andrew alluded to, Browns have a 70% chance to win per Vegas. Feels pretty sure. I, I really, I can't tell you any good things about the Jets. I don't think any good things about them. They, The Browns were handed a gift when they were scheduled these first four games when they knew they were probably going to be without Deshaun Watson. And they, they drew, you know, Falcons, Jets, Steelers, and Panthers as four pretty easy opponents. And they're like getting thrown a total softball with the Jets with offensive line issues and a very bad quarterback, maybe the worst in the league. I mean, they got to win. I don't know. Like, I'm not worried about a lot, but they better win. <laughs> well, the, uh, uh, I think, was it, did we play the Jets last year? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no. No, or was it two years ago? Was it two years play, ago. Two years ago, the, COVID in the playoff game. season when we yeah, COVID had game no wide receivers. Was yeah. Yes, that, that was it. Yeah, lost. I remember that game. They lost they that lost. game. Yeah. When the wide receivers got called up and were practicing in the parking garage. Correct. Uh, uh, yeah. Usual game, stuff. Yeah. Just standard Brown stuff. Yeah. Cody, yeah. take yeah. us home, man. Make us, make, us feel, make us feel sweet about this game against the Jets. What do you think is going to happen? The Jets threw the ball the most of any team in the NFL in week one. 78%. 78 to 22 run pass to run ratio, which is the exact opposite of what they want to do with Michael Carter and Brees Hall. They want to be a running team, pound the ball three and a half, four yards carry, and move the ball down the field slow and steady. Uh, so for the Browns, how do you do that? You do exactly what the Baltimore did. 
you get out to a lead or you build a lead. If you get up two, two to three scores, all of a sudden they have to start throwing the ball. That's going to be a mess. They only have Elijah Moore out there. Something happened with Corey Davis. Did he even play this week? Was he a healthy scratch possibly or maybe on the trade block? Can't remember what the situation was with him. But yeah. when you only have a guy like Elijah Moore as your only target, you got Joe Flacco who hasn't, hasn't been good since Pogs were the big fan in the United States. You know, I, I think there's a good I chance. I love Pogs. I think there's a good chance that um, the Browns should win this game, but it is any given Sunday. Crazy things can happen in football games. Don't right. look ahead to next week. That's a death sentence for any team in the league if you do that. But uh, just play your brand of football. Go out there and, and showcase your abilities, and, and you'll win this game. I love it. I love it. Uh, guys, listen, for the first time, I love that this is what happened. We couldn't start the first Monday Rewind of the season on a better note because for the first time since 2004, you're able to do a show like this. They haven't been doing the Monday Rewind since 2004, uh, but you're able to do a show. So for the first time in the history of the Monday Rewind, we're able to do this show at 1-0 for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, it's a spectacular feeling to start the year. And like I said, what I said at the very beginning, I, I find it hard to think that I'm going to care about another game as much as I cared about this one and, and the repercussions that would have happened had the Browns lost this game and we don't ever have to think about it again. So listen, uh, guys, this has been spectacular. We want to send out a couple thank yous, a couple reminders. First of all, the OBR's website is going ballistic with great articles from all three of these guys that you see on the, on the screen. Uh, I'll pop into the buzz every once in a while and give my completely uneducated opinion. It's fine. Uh, but make sure you are subscribed over there to the OBR's website. Uh, they're doing all kinds of great stuff. And then make sure you're subscribed to these channels, YouTube uh, or Twitch. Uh, we've got all kinds of content coming at you this week. We've got uh, Jake with the film breakdown. Uh, we do have garage beers tomorrow. We're going to be talking Browns again, of course. We are talking Buckeyes again. we got uh, former Buckeye wide receiver Ray Small coming on with us. That'll be a good time. Uh, uh, Wednesday, you got Fred and you got Barry. Uh, Thursday, you got Andrew and a special guest host. We'll find out what that looks like on Thursday. And then all the best stuff uh, pregame, during the game. Don't miss this stuff that, that Jake's doing uh, during the game uh, with the Browns. He posts links for it, but it is awesome. Uh, and then the postgame show as well. So all the best Browns coverage happens right here on the OBR. Go give these guys a follow. Andrew Spade, Cody Sook, Anthony Reinhardt. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And uh, hey, let's go. I might have to go have another one of these celebrate. Uh, as well. Browns are 1-0. Let's do this again. Let's talk about another Browns win next week, boys. Good job battling tonight, Mike. Battlers. <laughs> Go Browns. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.